keeping something from him. Irritated by her hinting, Tom broke his silence. Why do you know I can do better, Mom? Why? If there is something you want to tell me, just tell me. She thought for a moment, then asked, Thomas, have you ever heard of the Repository for Germinal Choice? No, he said. You know how I always told you that you didn't have to be like your dad. I don't want you to look at your father and say, this is what I have to look forward to. You need to know that you have better potential than your dad because you don't have your dad's genes. Suddenly, Tom wanted her to stop. Somehow he knew that if she kept talking, his life would never be the same, that his childhood would be over. But he couldn't think of anything to say, and she continued. When we were first married, we wanted a baby, and I couldn't get pregnant. We went to a doctor, and he said that because of a Vietnam injury, your dad couldn't have kids. Then the doctor told us about an amazing sperm bank in California, the repository for germinal choice. All the donors were Nobel Prize winners. I thought that was really special. And that's where you come from, Thomas. Your dad was a Nobel Prize winner. Tom didn't want his mom to think she had won the wrestling school argument, so he snapped, This doesn't change a damn thing. But he knew he was lying. He knew it changed everything. Tom turned it over in his head. A sperm bank. A Nobel Prize sperm bank. Tom felt surprised, and not at all surprised. It explained everything, he thought. That's why me and Dad don't look alike. That's why we don't get along. That's why Dad treats me that way, keeps me at a distance. Do you know who my, what do I call him, my real Dad is? Tom asked. They didn't tell us his name, just a code name. I know he was a brilliant scientist. Is Jessica my sister? Yes, but she comes from a different donor, so she's your half-sister. She doesn't know anything about this yet. She's not ready to know, so please don't tell her. Promise you won't tell her. One last question. Can I find my real dad? No, you can't. I have a sheet of paper somewhere in the house about him. That's all I have. The sperm bank is closed, so you won't be able to find his name or what he does or who he is. I'm sorry. Tom left the restaurant and wandered off to check his head. The next three days vanished for him. Even today he can't remember what he did or what he thought. When they returned home from vacation to their Kansas City suburb, Tom stopped talking to his mother. He shared his new secret with his three best friends. He trusted them because they weren't family. After a few more days he started to feel better. It was pretty funny, he thought. One day you're a long-haired, fifteen-year-old slacker pulling bees at a mediocre high school, dreaming of rapping and wrestling. The next day you're super kid. Every boy fantasizes at some point that his parents aren't his real parents, that his real dad is a king or a billionaire or a movie star. Hey, Tom said to himself, I really do have a secret dad, and he really is a Nobel Prize winner. Tom was an optimist by nature, and he told himself that only good things could come of it. His dad had wasted his life, 
and his mom had had to work her butt off for all that she had accomplished. But maybe it will be different for me, he thought. Now I have potential. I have genius genes. Tom started drinking less and stopped smoking pot. His grades ticked up. He did his homework for a change. He was happier. He felt oddly relieved. Over and over he would say to himself, I'm not related to Dad, I'm not related to Dad, thank God. But he didn't tell his dad he knew the secret. Why bother? It wouldn't change anything. It certainly wouldn't make them closer. It was the other dad that Tom thought about. Tom puzzled over what to call him, even what to call him in his own head. At first Tom tried, my real dad. But that felt wrong. My donor, too clinical. Biological father, too cumbersome. My other dad. That sounded as if there were some complicated family dispute. Tom played genetic who-am-I games with himself. What is the greatest gift he gave me? If he was such a great scientist, why am I so bad at science? I can't draw at all. Could he draw? I'm pretty good at math and history and English, and especially at music. Did all that come from him? But when he realized he couldn't answer his own questions, Tom's curiosity soured to frustration. I don't know half of who I am, Tom thought, and I will never know unless I find him. Tom decided he could find his dad, no matter what his mom said. After all, how many Nobel Prize winners could there be, and how many of them looked like Tom? Tom ransacked the house and finally discovered a thin manila folder buried in the back of his mom's file cabinet. It only deepened the mystery. Inside were ten sheets of white paper stapled together. The cover page read, Repository for Germinal Choice, Catalog of Donors. Each page had a code name at the top, a combination of a color and a number, and a brief description of the donor below. Donor Turquoise, number 38, was brown-haired and blue-eyed, like me, Tom thought, a top science professor at a major university who was also a professional musician. Was that his new dad? Or was it Donor White, number 6, a scientist involved in sophisticated research who enjoyed reading history? Or Donor Coral, number 36, who had an IQ of 160 and excels in mathematics. Or donor Yellow Brown, number 22, one of our very great scientists, who was fond of mountaineering. Tom was baffled, but his mom gave no help. The catalog didn't jog Mary's memory. She couldn't recall what donor she had chosen. She shrugged and advised Tom to restrain his curiosity and stop looking. Tom seethed at her. This was the biggest decision of my life, and you can't remember anything. Not a code name, not a profession, nothing. After festering for a while, Tom cleared his head and thought, Okay, I can do this. He studied the folder again. It also contained some of the correspondence between his mom and the repository for germinal choice. The stationary letterhead listed the sperm bank's trustees and directors. One was Robert Graham. 
Tom knew from an Internet search that Graham had owned the sperm bank, so he couldn't be Tom's father. Two of the other officers were women, so they were out. Then he saw Jonas Salk's name. Salk was listed as a trustee of the Nobel Prize sperm bank. Jonas Salk, the inventor of the polio vaccine. Tom had read about him in school. Tom leafed through the donor catalog again and reread the description of donor Yellow Brown number 22. Yes, Jonas Salk was certainly one of our very great scientists. Jonas Salk. Tom let it settle in. Maybe Jonas Salk is my father. Tom and I were looking for each other, but we didn't know it yet. As he poured over the donor catalog, I was several months deep into my own Nobel Prize sperm bank obsession. My fixation started with my dad. People always say their relationship with their parents is complicated. My relationship with my father has never been complicated. It's purely adoring. My father is a doctor, a rheumatologist who has spent more than 30 years, my whole life, directing the same research lab at the National Institutes of Health. He studies and treats patients with some of the cruelest illnesses there are, baroque muscle diseases that gnarl limbs, steal strength, and cripple kids. Most people find my father forbidding when they first meet him. He is tall and thin, with a wide, round face and a grand nose. His voice is a commanding rumble. If he says, David, this must be the best bread in New England, and he is prone to such preposterous overstatements, he makes it sound as though you'd be a fool.